Chapter Two, Part Two of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Mysteries of Paris by Eugène Sue. Chapter Two, Part Two. Hitherto his passionate grief had been unmixed by any alloy of self. He had bewailed the sanctity of the marriage vow trampled under foot the abandonment of all sworn and sacred duties but his sufferings of rage jealousy and regret almost overpowered him and with much difficulty was he able to command his voice sufficiently to say to the coachman while partially drawing up the blind do you see that lady in the blue shawl and black bonnet walking along by the wall yes yes i see her safe enough well then go slowly along and keep up with her should she go to the coach-stand i had you from pull up and when she has got into a fiacre follow it wherever it goes all right i understand now this is what i call a good joke m d'harville had conjectured rightly madame d'harville repaired directly to the coach-stand and beckoning a fiacre off the stand instantly got in and drove off closely followed by the vehicle containing her husband they had proceeded but a very short distance when the coachman took the road to the church of st thomas aquinas and to the surprise of m d'harville pulled up directly in front what is this for what are you about why master the lady you told me to follow has just alighted here and a smart tidy leg and foot of her own she has got her dress somehow caught so you see i couldn't help having a peep no how this is downright good fun though this is a thousand varied thoughts agitated m d'harville one minute he fancied that his wife fearing pursuit had taken this step to escape detection then hope whispered that the letter which had given him such uneasiness might after all be only an infamous calumny for if guilty what could be gained by this false assumption of piety would it not be a species of sacrilegious mockery at this suggestion a bright ray of hope shot across the troubled mind of m d'harville arising from the striking contrast between clemence's present occupation and the crime alleged as her motive for quitting her home alas this consolatory illusion was speedily destroyed leaning in at the open window the coachman observed i say master that nice little woman you are after has got back into her coach then follow quickly i'm off now this is what i call downright good fun capital hang me if it ain't the vehicle reached the quay the hotel de ville the rue st avoy and at last rue du temple i say said the coachman turning round to speak to m d'harville from his seat master just look my mate there has stopped at number seventeen we are about at thirteen shall i stop here or go on to seventeen stop here i say looky you'll lose your pretty lady she has gone into the alley leading to number seventeen open the door i'm coming sir and quickly following the steps of his wife m d'harville entered the obscure passage up which she had disappeared madame d'harville however had so far the start as to have entered the house previously attracted by the most devouring curiosity madame pipelet with her melancholy alfred and her friend the oyster woman were huddled close together on the sill at the lodge door the staircase was so dark that a person just emerging from the daylight into the gloom of the passage could not discern a single step of it and madame d'harville agitated and almost sinking with apprehension found herself constrained to apply to madame pipelet for further advice how to proceed saying in a low tremulous voice 
which way must i turn madame to find the staircase of the house stop if you please pray whom do you want i wish to go to the apartments of monsieur charles madame monsieur who repeated the old woman feigning not to have heard her but in reality to afford sufficient leisure to her husband and her friend thoroughly to scrutinize the unhappy woman's countenance even through the folds of her thick veil monsieur charles madame repeated clemence in a low trembling tone and bending down her head so as to escape the rude and insolent examination to which her features were subjected ah monsieur charles very well you should have spoken so that no one could hear you well my pretty dear if you want monsieur charles and a good-looking fellow he is as ever won a woman's heart go straight on and the door will stare you in the face hey 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 laughed out the old woman shaking her fat sides with spiteful glee it seems he has not waited for nothing this time success to love and love-makings and a merry end to it the marquise ready to sink with confusion began slowly to grope her way up the dingy staircase i say bawled out the old shell-fish woman our commandant knows what he is about don't he leave him alone to choose a pretty girl his marm is a regular swell ain't she had it not been requisite for her to run the gauntlet of the trio who occupied the entrance door madame d'harville ready to sink with shame and terror would gladly have retraced her steps she made another effort and at last reached the landing-place where to her unutterable consternation and surprise she saw rodolph waiting impatiently her arrival instantly flying to meet her he hastily placed a purse in her hand saying in a hurried manner your husband knows all and is now following your very steps at this instant the sharp tones of madame pipelet were heard crying out where are you going to sir tis he exclaimed rodolph and then almost forcing madame d'harville up the second staircase he added in a rapid manner make all haste to the very top of the house on the fifth floor you will find a wretched family named morel remember your sole business in coming hither was to relieve their distress i tell you sir screamed madame pipelet that unless you tell me your name you shall trample over me as they walked over our brave men at waterloo before i let you pass having from the entrance to the alley observed madame d'harville stop to speak to the portress the marquis had likewise prepared himself to pass through some sort of questioning i belong to the lady who just now entered said the marquis bless me exclaimed madame pipelet looking the picture of wonderment why that of course is a satisfactory answer you can pass on if you please hearing an unusual stir m charles robert had set the door of his apartments ajar and rodolphe unwilling to be recognized by m d'harville whose quick searching eye might have detected him spite of the murkiness of the staircase hearing him rapidly ascending the stairs just as he reached the landing-place dashed into the chamber of the astonished commandant locking the door after him m charles robert magnificently attired in his robe de chambre of scarlet damask with orange-coloured stripes and greek cap of embroidered velvet was struck with astonishment at the unexpected appearance of rodolph whom he had not seen the preceding evening at the embassy and who was upon the present occasion very plainly dressed what is the meaning of this intrusion asked he at length assuming a tone of killing haughtiness be silent replied rodolph and there was that in his voice and manner that charles robert obeyed 
even in spite of his own determination to strike terror into the bold invader of his private moments a violent and continued noise as of some heavy substance falling from one stair to the other resounded through the dull silence of the gloomy staircase unhappy man he has murdered her exclaimed rodolph murdered ejaculated m charles robert turning very pale for the love of heaven what is all this about but without heeding his inquiry rodolph partially opened the door and discovered little tortillard half rolling half limping down the stairs holding in his hand the red silk purse rodolph had just given to madame d'harville tortillard with another scrambling shuffle disappeared at the bottom of the last flight of stairs the light step of madame d'harville and the heavier tread of her husband as he continued his pursuit of her from one story to another could be distinctly heard somewhat relieved of his worst fears yet unable to make out by what chance the purse so recently committed to madame d'harville's hands should have been transferred to those of tortillard rodolph said authoritatively to m robert do not think of quitting your apartments for the next hour i request upon my life and soul that is a pretty thing to say to a gentleman in his own house replied m robert in an impatient and wrathful tone i ask you again what is the meaning of all this who the devil are you sir and how dare you dictate to me a gentleman m d'harville is informed of everything has followed his wife to your very door and is now pursuing her to the upper part of the house god bless me here's a situation exclaimed charles robert with an appearance of utter consternation but what is to be done what is the use of her going upstairs and how will she manage to get down again unobserved remain where you are neither speak nor move until the porteress comes to you rejoined rodolph who hastened to give his final instructions to madame pipelet leaving the commandant a prey to the most alarming apprehensions well well cried madame pipelet her face radiant with chuckling exultation there's rare sport going on the lady who came to visit my fine gentleman on the first floor has been followed by another gentleman who seems rather in a passion the husband of that silly young creature i make no doubt directly the truth flashed across me i tells him to go straight up for thinks i he'll be sure to murder our commandant that'll make a deal of talk in the neighbourhood and folks will come crowding to see the house just as they did at number thirty six after the man was killed there lord i wonder the fighting has not begun yet i have been listening to hear them set to but i can't catch the least sound my dear madame pipelet will you do me a great favour said rodolph putting five louis into her hand when this lady comes downstairs ask her how she found the poor morels tell her she has performed an act of real charity in coming to see them according to her promise the last time she called to inquire respecting them madame pipelet looked first at the money and then at rodolph with an air of petrified astonishment what am i to do with this money inquired she at length do you give it to me ah i see this handsome lady then does not come altogether for the commandant the gentleman who followed her was her husband as you justly supposed but being warned in time the poor lady went straight on to the morels as though her only business here was to afford them succour now do you understand i should think i did clear as noonday a nod is as good as a wink as the old woman said i know you want me to help you cheat the husband 
lord bless you i am up to all those things quick as lightning silent as the grave go along with you i'm a regular good hand at keeping husbands in the dark you might fancy i'd been used to it all my life but tell me the huge hat of monsieur pipelet was here observed sending its dark shadow across the floor of the lodge anastasie said alfred gravely you are like monsieur cesar bradamanti you have no respect for anything or anybody and let me tell you that there are subjects that should never be made the subject of a jest even amongst the most familiar acquaintances nonsense my old darling don't stand there rolling up your eyes and looking about as wise as a pig in a pound you know well enough i was only joking you know well enough that no living soul beneath the canopy of heaven can ever say i gave him a liberty but that'll do so let's talk of this good gentleman's business suppose i do go out of my usual way to save this young lady i'm sure i do it solely to oblige our new lodger who for his generosity may well deserve to be called the king of lodgers then turning towards rodolph she added you shall see how cleverly i will go to work just hide yourself there in that corner behind the curtain quick quick i hear them coming rodolph had scarcely time to conceal himself ere monsieur and madame d'harville descended the stairs the features of the marquis shone with happiness mingled with a confused and astonished expression while the countenance of his wife as she hung on his arm looked calm but pale well my good lady cried madame pipelet going out of her lodge to address her as she descended the last stair how did you find the poor creatures i mean the morels ah i doubt not such a sight made your heart ache god knows your charity was well bestowed i told you the other day when you called to inquire about them what a state of starvation and misery they were in be assured kind lady these poor things are fit objects of your bounty you will never have to regret coming to this out-of-the-way place to examine into their case they really are deserving all your kindness don't you think so alfred alfred the strictness of whose ideas touching a due regard for all conjugal duties made him revolt at the thoughts of helping to deceive a husband replied only by a sort of grumbling sound as vague as discordant please to excuse my husband madame resumed madame pipelet he has got the cramp in his stomach and cannot speak loud enough to be understood or he would tell you as well as myself that the poor people you have so fortunately relieved will pray of the almighty night and day to bless and reward you my worthy lady m d'harville gazed on his wife with feelings approaching to adoration as he exclaimed angel of goodness how has base slander dared to disturb your heavenly work an angel repeated madame pipelet that she is and one of the very best heaven could send there is not a better let us return home i entreat said madame d'harville who was suffering acutely under the restraint she had put herself since entering the house and now that the necessity for exertion was over found her strength rapidly forsaking her instantly replied the marquis at the instant of their emerging into the open air from the obscurity of the alley m d'harville observing the pale looks of his wife said tenderly ah clemence i have deep cause to solicit your pity and forgiveness alas my lord said the marquise sighing deeply which of us has not need of pardon 
rodolph quitted his hiding-place deeply ruminating upon so terrible a scene thus intermingled with absurdity and coarseness and pondering over the curious termination to a drama the commencement of which had called forth such different passions well now exclaimed madame pipelet you must say i played my part well didn't i send that donkey of a husband home with longer ears than he came out with lord bless you he'll put his wife under a glass case and worship her from this day forward poor dear gentleman i really could not help feeling sorry for him oh but about your furniture monsieur rodolph it has not come yet i am now going to see about it by the by you had better go and inform the commandant that he may venture out true i'll go and let the caged bird out but what stuff and nonsense for him to hire apartments of no more use to him than they are to the king of prussia he is a fine fellow he is with his paltry twelve francs a month this is the fourth time he has been made a fool of rodolph quitted the house and madame pipelet turning to her husband said with a chuckling laugh now alfred the commandant's turn has come now for it i mean to have a jolly good laugh at my gentleman up and dressed for nothing arrived at the apartments of m charles robert the portress rang the bell the door was opened by the commandant himself commandant said anastasie giving him a military salute by placing the back of her little fat hand against the front of her wig i have come to set you free your friends have gone away arm in arm happy as doves under your very nose well you are out of a nice mess thanks to m rodolph you ought to stand something very handsome to him for all he has done upon the present occasion then this slim individual with the mustachios is called m rodolph is he exactly so neither more nor less and who and what is the fellow fellow indeed cried madame pipelet in a wrathful voice he is as good as other men better than some i could mention why he is a travelling clerk but the very king of lodgers for though he has only one room he does not haggle and beat folks down not he why he gave me six francs for doing for him six francs mind i say without a word think of that without ever offering me a sou less oh he is a lodger i wish other people were at all like him there there that's enough take the key shall i light the fire to-morrow commandant no next day no no don't bother me i say commandant if you recollect i warned you that you would have your trouble for your pains m charles robert threw a glance at his grinning tormentor that spoke of annihilation at least and dashingly furiously by her quitted the house wondering much how a mere clerk should have become acquainted with his assignation with the marquise d'herville as the commandant left the alley tortillard came hobbling along well what do you want said madame pipelet has the borgnes been to call upon me asked the young scamp without attending to the portress's question the chouette no you ugly monster what should she come for why to take me with her into the country to be sure said tortillard swinging on the lodge gate and what does your master say to it oh father managed all that he sent this morning to m bradamanti to ask him to give me leave to go into the country the country the country sang or rather screamed the amiable scion of m bras rouge beating time most melodiously on the window-panes
will you leave off you young rascal or are you going to break my window oh here comes a coach oh 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 shrieked the urchin it is my dear chouette oh how nice the ride in a coach and looking through the window they saw reflected upon the red blind of the opposite glass the hideous profile of the borgnes she beckoned to tortillard who ran out to her the coachman descended from his box and opened the door tortillard sprang into the vehicle which instantly drove off another person beside the chouette was in the carriage in the farther corner and wrapped in an old cloak with a furred collar his features shrouded by a black silk cap pulled down over his brows sat the schoolmaster his inflamed lids formed a horrible contrast with the white globeless space beneath and this fearful spectacle was rendered still more hideous by the action of the severe cold upon his seamed and frightful countenance now small boy squat yourself down on the pins of my man you'll serve to keep him warm said the borgnesse to tortillard who crouched like a dog close to the feet of the schoolmaster and the chouette now then my coves said the driver on we go to the ken at bouqueval don't we la chouette you shall see whether i can tool a drag or not and keep your hands on the move my fine fellow for we must get hold of the girl to-night all right my blindin we'll go to the pace shall i give you a hint said the schoolmaster what about why cut it fine as you pass by the nabs at the barrier the meeting might lead to disagreeable recollections it is not every old acquaintance it is worth while to renew our friendship with you have been wanted at the barriers for some time i'll keep my weather eye open replied the driver getting on his box it need scarcely be told after this specimen of slang that the coachman was a robber one of the schoolmaster's worthy associates the vehicle then quitted the rue du temple two hours afterwards towards the closing of a winter's day the vehicle containing the chouette the schoolmaster and tortillard stopped before a wooden cross marking out the sunken and lonely road which conducted to the farm at bouqueval where the goualeuse remained under the kind protection of madame georges end of chapter two part two read by Céline Major.